Turn your Bibles to James chapter number 2. James chapter number 2. I hesitate to tell you I have only two points again. That didn't work well for me this morning. But I'll try to be be good tonight. I want to finish up this... um, this section, this part, if you will, of the book of James. And uh, we're on, technically, we're on part five, but I believe, I believe this is, tonight will be part seven, because we've had a couple two-parters out of one. Uh, but we're going to read verse number eight and verse number nine as our text. It says, if you fulfill the royal law... According to the Scripture, now he gives us the Scripture, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Now, as we started this Wednesday night, we we kind of went through this, we gave you the background that many of those that are in attendance, if not all of them, as opposed to the one that may have entered in verse number 3, or verse number 2 rather, uh, they're all poor. They're just common people, just like all of us, just common people. He said, but but in, in that, that gathering, there's one that comes and he's got this great ring and he's dressed uh, dressed really nice and he just comes in and you begin to show... Uh, uh, partiality to him, and he uses the word respect, he said, you begin to say, you sit here in my place, or you sit in this place, and you take that brother that's poor, like yourself, and you said, now, you just sit kind of over here. And he says, you sit under my footstool. That's pretty low. <laughs> you lay in the ground, basically what he says. James says, if you, if you're going to do that royal law is to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, if you're going to do that, then you're doing well. He said, but I need you to know that if you have respect to another, he says in verse number nine, ye commit sin and are, I'm going to rearrange these words, and are of or by the law of God, you are convinced of sin. So in other words, you say that you're going to obey the law of God by loving your neighbor as yourself, but because you are preferring one over another, the law condemns you as a sinner. I appreciate them uh-huhs and, and shaking the head. That really does encourage me because this has kicked my hind leg. I'm going to tell you what. Because I fall into this, and I think sometimes we all do. I left you Wednesday night with that, that kind of a, it was a huge question. How can we show partiality to one and be condemned of it, but, but then we're warned not to show partiality, but when we, when we try not to, we're condemned for that. And so it's, it's a hard Book. James is a hard book. He tells, we're going to learn next time, he tells us that we ought to have works, but we're told we're not saved by works. But James says, no, you're not saved by works, but if you are saved, you're going to have works. And that's been messed up over the centuries since Scripture. So, we, we, we gave you number one, the claim of their actions. They said that they're, they're showing this respect in the name of Christ. 
Then the contempt of their actions from verse number 7 down through verse number 7, James reminded these, these brethren of his that were scattered abroad, he says, God chose the poor of, of the world. And he said, now you're choosing the rich of the world. And so we gave you scriptures, and, and you're, I'd, I'd love to send you this if you want it. Um, but I left you with the quote from, from William Barclay. We must be aware of inverted snobbery. And so we got to be careful in, in not becoming preferential to one uh, that we become preferential to another. And that's, that's a, hard, um, a hard concept to get. But tonight, I want us to look at number three in this. Notice the correction of their actions. He says in verse number 8 down through verse number 11. We've already read verse number 8 and 9. I want to quickly read verse 10 and 11. He says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, also, or said also, Do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, <laughs> yet if thou kill, Thou art become a transgressor of the law. And so you got, you got this plane of sin that mankind has, has created. You've got big and little sin, but in God's law, it's all sin. Somebody amen me right there. And James is saying whether it's a quote unquote little sin or a big sin, it's all sin and you're guilty of it all. Now that's hard again. That's hard for us to, to, to fathom. I remember a man, I quoted it this morning there in 1 Corinthians, and such were some of you, and, and the verses prior to that talked about, um, just, just wicked people, and he said, I never was any of those. That verse is not talking about me. I'd done some bad things, but I never did those things. Well, I beg to differ with you. If you were a sinner, you was just as vile as the rapist and, and, and the everything else. Because you were a sinner without God. Now, I realize in human standards, we, we classify things a little bit differently just so we can wrap our minds around it. It's hard for me to think, Brother Kurt, that I'm as bad as, as, as a child molester or something. I mean, that just angers me. And I think that's where he's coming from. But the writer there, Paul, Brother Stanley, he said, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are justified. And so, and it's through Christ. So, we notice here the correction of their actions. Now, as if you're dealing with this, and as we go through this book of James, I want to remind you that James, he is writing. It is named after him. Okay, he is writing a book and it bears his name, but he is not giving his opinion because all Scripture is given by, somebody help me, Inspiration, okay? And so by faith, we understand that every word, every, every little period, every punctuation, that, that, that we're, we're going to go ahead and claim that it is God's Word. And so as he begins to write, it is under the inspiration of God. And the source of this correction did not come from James, but it is coming from God. 
He says over in chapter number 1, verse number 22, he says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. In verse 25, he says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, and he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so here in verse 22, he says, The word, that's the Word of God. He says the perfect law of liberty. Again, that's the Word of God. Then he says you're doing the work, and that's what you were told to do from the Word of God. And so this instruction in these few verses here is not coming from James. It's coming from God's Word. And he, he, he illustrates this when he says in verse number eight, he says, if you're going to keep the perf, the, the royal law, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, he says, you do well. He says, you can, he didn't say this, this James says this, you can read books and you can listen to preachers and you can listen to, to this, that and the other, but Our lives need to be guided by the Word of God. Everything that we do needs... Now, I understand there's some decisions that you make that what you're going to eat has nothing to do with the Word of God. understand that. I'm not being silly tonight. But the, the guiding principles of our lives need to come out of God's Word. needs to come by prayer and, and letting the Holy Spirit lead us. And He says, if you're going to honor this royal law, which in and of itself, it, it could mean several things. It could be a law given by the King of Kings, making it a royal decree. It could be uh, the King of all laws. And Jesus mentioned uh, that above all these, that you love your neighbor as yourself. So it is the king of all laws. One writer says it is the law that makes kings, uh, that makes men kings and is fit for kings, that they love one another. And so there's something important about this royal law, but regardless of the, the internal meaning, it is the word of God. And the correction, whether then or now, must be by the Word of God. Warren Wearsby said, God the Father gave it in the law. God the Son reaffirmed it to His disciples. And God the Spirit fills our heart with it. What is it? It is the Word of God. So there is a statement. We saw the source of correction was the Word of God. But there's a statement of correction. He says, ye commit sin. When my children do wrong, which which they probably do more wrong than I know about, and that's between them and God. I hope they're getting it right. But when I'm aware of their sin, there is a conversation and there are consequences of it. But I can't just go in with a belt and with a fist and, and start swinging. I've got to communicate there is sin, there is wrongdoing in your life. And God, through the pen of James, to those scattered abroad, says, Ye commit sin if you have done this. Remember our title of the message today. It is the sin of distinction or making a distinction between men. And so now as we come uh, to this statement of correction, he says you have transgressed the law. And I understand through through a little bit of reading that, that they thought of the law as a series of what one writer says a detached series of uh, injunctions 
uh, some of you that have been in courts or, or dealt with the law, you may understand this this language of injunctions. <clears throat> In other words, you may be charged with a series of things, uh, and generally speaking, uh, one crime is by itself. And so they thought that uh, if you committed adultery, that was a sin by itself. If you stole from someone, that was a sin by itself. If you killed someone, that was a sin by itself. And so uh, they thought of this as a series of detached injunctions. And so they would keep... All of the laws that they could, and they they kept track, Brother Jody, of all of the laws that they kept, kind of in a in a ledger as a credit. But when they would go against one of the laws, they would simply deduct that debt from the credit. And so, Brother David, if they went for a month and they were they were doing good and they they did this and they did that and they stacked up a bunch of credit, then in that society's mind, if they needed something, they could go steal it from their neighbor and they can just deduct it from their credit. That's the way they thought at this time. And James says, y'all are sinning. If I could say it like just a country, stop it. He says, I need you to stop it because you've transgressed the law. And James taught that once you break one of the laws, the Ten Commandments, you've broken them all. I've said this time and time again. Don't, couldn't tell you where I heard it, but it stuck with me. You can disagree if you want, but, but somewhere along the line I heard that God wrote the Ten Commandments on stone because you cannot bend a stone. You either keep it, or you break it. You cannot bend it to fit your own will. And one writer says, if I, dis- if I disobey one law, I am capable of disobeying all of them. And by rebelling, I have already done so. When you, when they began this, this preferential treatment, James is saying, and that's not a sin that we think about. It is really not. And there's more to it than, than I am bringing out. That's why it's important that we all study our Bibles. But when they began to shun their brothers for someone that came in that appeared to have money and appeared to be able to further them in society, and they showed preferential treatment to that person, that's where the sin came in. Because it was great that they they... They showed friendship. It was, that was great. But the fact that they shunned everyone else, that's where the sin came in. So, we see that James warned in these scriptures that if they've broken one, they've broken them all. But then last, I want us to see the caution of their actions. In verse 12 and verse 13. Again, this is leading into some deep discussion. The caution of their action. I want to read again verse 12 and verse 13. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Now, remember what he said over in verse 22 of chapter 1. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. Remember what he says here in verse number 8. If ye fulfill the law, 
I'm skipping down. You do well. All right, so he's saying if, if you're going to follow the law, you're doing good. Now he says in verse number 12, so speak ye. If you're going to follow the law, speak the law, do the law, but do it as that one that is going to be judged by the law. Don't do, don't, don't do the law as someone that's above the law. Don't, don't do the law as someone that can dictate the law. But do it in humility and goodness. If there's anything missing in society as a whole, but even in churches, it is humility. We need this in our churches. We need this in our families today. So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment, listen, without mercy that hath showed no mercy and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. So he says, speak and do. So just to boil it down here, uh, we need to know that our actions have consequences, good and bad. Our actions have, our good actions may have rewards, our bad actions may have consequences, okay? But know that what you speak and what you do, there will be a reckoning of that. It's interesting to me that in verse number 3, it says, they didn't do anything, Brother Lee Allen, but it says they said. Look at verse number 3. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit thou here, or sit here under my footstool. And so, he says, I need you, in verse number 12, I need you to speak and I need you to do. What are they to do? They are to do the Word of God in chapter number 1. They are to do the, the uh, what did he say, the perfect law of liberty in chapter 1, verse 25. They are to do the royal law in verse number 8 or verse number 9, I believe it is. But we need to know that our words will be judged. There's not a lot. And, and I'm not being prideful in this. There's not a lot that my hands get into. There's not a lot of bad that my feet carry me into. There's a lot of trouble my mouth gets me into. Honey child. That thing will pop off in a minute. If I ain't careful. And the whole time I'm meaning well. He says, speak and do. He says, you, you, you need to understand that what you say and what you do will come before God. He says, for ye shall have judgment, for he shall have judgment without mercy that showeth no mercy. Now, I, I got to go back. Verse number 12, it ends with the law of liberty. As I was studying this, uh, this this thought came to my mind that there's we we talk especially in 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 our Baptist churches we talk about once saved always saved if you agree with once saved always saved say a hearty amen right there there's a lot of people that don't okay eternal security is what we're speaking of but 
But one argument that they have, that people that do not agree with that, they will say something like, you mean to tell me that when you got saved, you got a license to sin. And that's false. That's not right. We, we did not get a license to sin. But the Scripture says that you'll be judged by the law of liberty. And in, in looking into this, one writer said that liberty is not license. License is confinement. It is the worst kind of bondage. But liberty is fulfillment. Today at lunch, Braylon was upset. Her birthday is December the 21st. And this is the year that she will turn 15. And every kid, when they turn 15, they want to get their driver's permit. And because it's on the 21st, which is a Saturday, that's not going to happen for her. Sunday's the 22nd. The 23rd on Monday likely starts a week of vacation for the DMV. And that has messed her up. Because she wants a license. But do you realize that that license says, yes, you can drive, but there are limits. For her, there's a limit of where you can drive, when you can drive, what you can drive, who you can drive with, how supposedly how fast you can drive. I don't think Jody learned that lesson. There are limits. So for these folks to say, oh, you have a license to sin, that may work well in whatever realm they live in. That's what we had before we got saved, Kurt. We were in bondage. Yeah, we had a license to sin. You could go out and you could do whatever you want to. But that bondage was you were bound to sin. You were bound to die in your sin. And you were bound to go to hell. But when this perfect law of liberty was spoken to us through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And what did He say in John chapter number 8? He says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. He is going to give us liberty. He is going to free us. And so liberty is fulfillment. And so no, we do not have a license to sin. We have been freed from sin. And so when a child of God does sin, yes, it is a choice and an awful choice because there are consequences of that. But we still, as I mentioned this morning, have an advocate with the Father. We have a Holy Ghost at the whole time. He's trying to draw us away while we're trying to go to that sin. And so we have a lot... We, we have a, a, um, a, a liberty away from sin, a fulfillment that we're free from those things. If you, in verse 13, if you judge others without mercy, this is hard, you will receive judgment without mercy. Now I'm going to tell you something, and, and, and <laughs> I'm going to give you Liberty to disagree with me if you feel the need to. I told you that James is, in my research, the earliest epistle that was written. In, in, in your New Testament, possibly the book of Matthew came before this. So it was Matthew and James. 
Matthew wrote about Jesus' genealogy and throughout his life. James was the brother of Jesus that likely did not believe in Jesus being the Messiah until right at the point of his death or even after his death. You've got to go back to the introduction of this if you want to know that. So James is writing some things that if I could say it like this, is kind of in that, that middle ground of the law and grace. And he's not writing anything wrong. What he's saying, again, is inspired. But understand that when Paul comes along, Paul wrote, what, over half of your New Testament Bible, Paul begins to clarify some things that James wrote that right now we're not referencing. So he references this in verse number 13. He says, if you judge with no mercy, you will be judged with no mercy. Y'all let the weight of that sink in just for a minute. It always blows my mind when something horrible happens to someone and it makes news, of course, that this has happened. But then it makes, it really makes less news, but news nonetheless, that the victim in turn forgives this man for doing this to her or his family. And I'm talking about horrible things. And I sit back and I don't know these people, these people on the news, but I think they've got to be a better Christian than I am because they're showing mercy that I really don't know that I could show. But then I look at verse number 13, and there's been people that have hurt me that I didn't really show mercy to, and I wonder, what a frail little Christian I am. There's been people that have said things to me that I've, that I've shunned there's been attacks on my personality and on my family. And I've just cut the people off. Instead of showing them mercy. But James says that if you do not show mercy, then you will be judged with no mercy. Warren Wearsby says, it does not mean that we earn mercy by showing mercy. And I love this because it is impossible to earn mercy. He says, if it is earned, it is not mercy. But I believe that the key is in the end, the very end of verse number 13. Y'all read it with me. It says, mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Now, if you've got a little country bumpkin mind like mine, you look at that and you say, well, that don't make a whole lot of sense. So I've had a little time to look at this. And this phrase, rejoiceth against judgment, it essentially means that mercy is exalted over judgment. One writer, he says that while judgment threatens condemnation, 
Mercy interposes and prevails over judgment. So I believe that the key here is that if we do show mercy, even though that person deserves uh, judgment, even though we may deserve judgment, if in our lives we show mercy to those that do not deserve it. Because understand that no one deserves mercy. If we show mercy, that mercy that is shown cries out. If you can picture the, the, the illustration that, that many have given about Christ and being that advocate, if you will, as the accuser of the brethren stands and begins to list the charges against one of us in here, the... Jesus stands and he says to his father, the judge, he says, that is all placed on my account. James here seems to me that he's saying that the mercy that we have shown will essentially do the same thing. When when we deserve judgment and we deserve wrath, Because we have shown mercy, that mercy stands before God and says, no, he doesn't deserve any more mercy, but he has been merciful. And so please show him mercy. That's what James is saying. So he goes from from showing preferential treatment, men showing preferential treatment, to then God showing, not preferential treatment, but providential, about to run, providential treatment. Because in God's providence, He knows our hearts, and He knows the intents of our hearts, and He knows that we want to do good. He knows what we do good and when we do bad. He knows when we show mercy and when we do not, and He judges righteously every single time. Now, I'm, I'm done tonight, but the next time, I'm probably not going to make it down through verse number 26, but all of those verses tying together. James throws something on us from verse 14 through verse number 19, or verse number 20, and then he begins to illustrate that in verse number 21 down through verse number 26. So, if you will, you take, I'll not be here this Wednesday, but you take over the next few few days, next week or so, and you read through this, and then that way you come in having a knowledge of what James has already said, and then you pray for me as I get through this, and I study through this. And James gives us this idea about working not for salvation, but as a result of salvation, okay? So 